0: This afternoon we'll be spending some time looking at the Lord's Day, which talks about how Jesus experienced this curse and this abandonment by, by God most deeply. This what we just sang about. But before that we are going to go a little bit earlier back in history, and we're going to go to Joshua chapter ten, and the verses sixteen to twenty seven. This is at a time in Israel's history when they are busy invading the promised land that God has given to them, and there are several kings that have lined up for battle against them to, to try throw them out to resist them. You'll be able to find this on page 256 of your Pew Bible. Joshua 10 verses 16 to 27. So Joshua has just finished a battle against not just one or two, but five kings who have risen up against them, and they have been defeated with the help of the Lord. And we come to verse 16, and it says, but these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Macada. And it was told, Joshua, saying, the five kings have been found, hidden in the cave at Macada. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave, and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. And then it happened. While Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had been finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp, to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out Those five kings to him from the cave the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and cast them into a cave. Where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's the mouth the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. So far the word of God. We'll now look to Lord's Day 15, and we'll read the whole Lord's Day, but this afternoon we'll especially focus on one question. Question answer 39. Does it have special meaning that Christ was crucified? You can find this. Lord's Day on page 529 of your book of praise. We come to the next article of the Apostles' Creed in which we confess that our Lord Jesus suffered. And the question here is, what do you confess when you say that he suffered? During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus, by his suffering, as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge and so freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes. Thereby I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God. So far. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in our Lord's Day we look at the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And it seems pretty horrible, doesn't it? When we think of the death of Christ, we are reminded of the symbol of the cross, of Jesus nailed to the cross. We are reminded of the horror, of the humiliation that went with it, of his complete helplessness as he hung there. A helplessness Which was even more emphasized by the fact that there are Roman soldiers sitting at the foot of the cross, gambling for his clothes. And he can't even do anything about it. We can see him showing his helplessness to the world, the scorn of the crowds toward Jesus, making fun of him, the uncaring nature of the guards. The apparent power of Rome put on display here. The apparent weakness of Christ as he hangs there on the cross. And the message was meant to be this by the Roman Empire. Who can stand up to the power and the might of Rome? Now, one thing we have to remember as we have this image of Jesus Christ hanging up on the cross is that the worst part of the cross was actually not something that the Romans came up with. Rather, it was older than Rome. For the Romans, to hang someone on a cross was a punishment that was reserved for extreme criminals. It was a punishment reserved for those who were traitors, Those who were rebels. Crucifixion was to be the ultimate humiliation for them as they rose up against the might of Rome. But the thing is, it was considered to be such a complete humiliation that no Roman citizen was allowed to be crucified. Only those who were considered lower class members of the empire in the eyes of Rome were allowed to be crucified. Slaves, non-Romans, they're the ones who were allowed to experience this. And it was bad. Rome had used crucifixion as a public way of shaming and torturing to make sure that anyone else who thought that they might have the same idea as that person who was hanging up on the cross would not even think of doing it after having seen that. And while that's definitely one thing that marks Jesus' time on the cross. For us, as we look back on that, we have to remember that as terrible as all of it was, it wasn't the most important thing about the cross. The most important thing about Jesus' time on the cross is what our Lord's Day draws our attention to today. The question and answer that's read here that says, does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? The answer to this is based off of two passages. One in the Old Testament and one in the New. And it points to something that is much older than Rome. Deuteronomy 21 verse 23, it says, The person who is crucified, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged on a tree is accursed by God. That was Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. And again, we read in Galatians 3, verse 13, this is the New Testament connection, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Hanging between heaven and earth. Now this wasn't a live tree, the cross, but this was something that still applied. Hanging between heaven and earth, Jesus was the picture of one who was rejected by man and who was rejected by heaven. And this was something that was filled with meaning. Rejection a curse. Why is this something that's such a big deal? We can see how it was something that was deeply meaningful to the people of Israel if we look back in their history at the times that curses came forward. We can think, for example, of as this very same nation of Israel was coming into the promised land, there was a foreign king named Balak who hired a prophet, Balaam, to, to try to curse the nation so that everything bad would come down on them. But what's so bad about a curse? There was a day and age in which curses were very feared in the world. And there are many parts in the world today in which they still are. Pagans lived in fear of offending the gods and they would offer sacrifices and give gifts to avoid incurring the wrath of this god or of that god. They even had areas of the countryside that were considered to be off-limits. They were said to be taboo because they belonged to the gods and if you went there you'd be cursed by the god who claimed ownership of that particular part of land. If we look in church history in the New Hebrides for example when the missionaries first came to the island of Aniwa there was only one area of land that the cannibals had allowed the Christians to settle in. The missionary Patton and his friends later found out that the tribes living there had allowed them to settle there because they had believed that the land was taboo. They believed that the Christians would sicken and die experiencing the curse of the gods after a short time of living in that place. They understood that with regards to behavior, with regards to land, And with regards to many other things, there are boundaries in this world. And to transgress those boundaries means a curse. Now, while God proved to be more powerful than the curses of these cannibals, there was still something there that they understood that we have forgotten today. That there are these boundaries in the world. That there are these boundaries in the world and to transgress them results in a curse. In our day and age, this is something that doesn't really Concern many of us. If anything, here in the West, Canadians celebrate the pushing of boundaries, and instead of having limits with curses hanging over those who transgress them, we have swung the pendulum the other way, in which nothing is off limits. And living in a society like that today, we may wonder does a curse then really matter to us? Well, it should. If you miss or ignore the curse that rested on the Lord Jesus Christ, you ignore something very real and important. You ignore the part of Christ's suffering that bore the most weight. While the physical outward aspect of it was, was meaningful, yes, as it reminded us of the fact that he was rejected by men and it gave us a picture of what his suffering was like in some small way, the curse that was laid on him was the worst part of his suffering. The rejection by God that was the result of a transgression of boundaries was laid on him. His outward suffering was just a small inward picture, a small picture of what was happening inwardly. His suffering was what should have been ours laid on him. That curse should have been applied to us. And this is where we get to Joshua and the five kings. The five kings that fought against Joshua were kings of the land of Canaan. It seems pretty graphic to us in the world today, but actually what happened to these five kings was pretty merciful, considering what the nations around them did It wasn't torture. They were executed quickly and then their bodies were hung up. Well, what was the meaning behind this? Hanging those kings up was a sign of the rejection of God and a sign of God's curse on the nations of Canaan. Their sin was so horrible that they had been doomed by a curse. Canaan was a country in which the most horrible of sins had been practiced and celebrated. Among other horrible sins, they had sacrificed their babies, for example, to an idol called Molech. They would put their babies, their, their children, in the arms of this idol and the children would slide down a chute and they would end in the belly of the idol, which was a furnace. This was the nature of the people that was in that land. And yet, despite... That being who they were, we still read in Genesis 15, verse 13 and 16, that God would rather have his people in slavery for 400 years to have patience with his people for 400 years than bring judgment on his people. For 400 years they remained in slavery until their wickedness had come to its fullness. We read in Genesis 15, verse 16. And then God placed his curse on this country and sent Israel and his people not just to give them land, not just to bring them out of slavery, but to also have them be a tool in his hand to punish this country, to be the outcome of his curse on the people who live there. So what does that mean for us today? It's true that in Canada today we don't literally put our children in the arms of a fiery idol. Although there are ways in which we can sacrifice our children to serve our own personal idols of gain, of more comfortable life. But while we might not carry out our actions so literally, if we look back into Galatians 3 verse 10, for example, there's a passage there that says that everyone who breaks God's law is under a curse. Those who transgress, those who cross boundaries, result in a place in which they end up under a curse. And you and I, we ought to fall under that. We have transgressed boundaries, we have sinned, and our sin grieves God. It should rightly place us under the curse. And yet, God is merciful. Consider this. People today often experience one of two things. They experience the acceptance of God at the cost of rejection of the people of the earth. And while that can be a very lonely thing to have other people reject you, it can be a very lonely thing to have other people reject you because of faith-based decisions. On the other hand, they can experience the acceptance of people and finding acceptance of people at the cost of them rejecting God. And this too can result in going down a path in which there can be a lot of pain and loneliness. And yet neither of those compare to what Christ experienced. Christ experienced the full weight of rejection by earth and heaven. Under the curse, he experienced the wrath of earth and heaven and this was the worst possible place to be. You and I never want to go there. We can sometimes feel rejected in life, but never like this. And yet, Christ bore the cross. And as his body was taken down before nightfall, it showed that the cross remained, that the curse remained on him and didn't return to us. In our Lord's Supper form, we read about that. He bore the curse that we might never be forsaken. It says, by all this, he has taken our curse upon himself so that he might fill us with his blessings. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. And then he called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and we might never more be forsaken by him. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper here, you can remember that we have sinned. You may have deeply grieved the fact that you followed an idol in your life, that you even sacrificed things to this idol in your life. But in Christ, you can find forgiveness because he took that curse which ought to have been on us upon himself. He was cursed and rejected in order that we might be accepted and be strengthened by God to live life as those who are unaccepted in this world. And in your hours of loneliness, in your hours when you do feel unaccepted, look to your Savior and remember how he has taken our curse on himself in order that he might fill us with his blessing, that we might remain free of the curse forever. Amen.